host, Louis Alvesan, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, between tools, we'll try to answer any automotive questions you may have. Just go ahead and give us a call. It's 291-6901. We are live and in person, so we've got our lines ready to go, rip-roaring ready to go. There you go. There, there you go. go. There, all right, I'm on the air now. There you go. We were speaking of the website. Agcoauto.com. That's right. Got any questions? Just go to that website. There's a contact bar on each and every page. Click the button, send in the form, and it's just that simple. There you go. It's a really easy site to access. I it think. is. Uh, I've done quite a bit of work to try to make it easy. So a lot of great information. Yeah, a lot of good information on there. And you know, I had a guy email the other day. He said I was looking at your chart on all pan drain plug torque and sure. i knew that i saw that some of the later model stuff is not on there and i said well that's because i'm retired now and nobody, <laughs> nobody's <laughs> updating all that it hasn't been updated quite yet yeah so i may eventually get to that who knows <laughs> deal. but still lots and lots of good information on there good way to get in touch with us and even better ways just give us a call and we can right now chat you right on that's it there live and live and in person there you go and we started talking last week a little bit about getting better results when you go to an automotive shop yes and sir we never did really get to the topic fully of course we're not limited to that any question you may have on any topic you give us a call they try to help you out we just thought this was something that would uh, kind of help people yeah, out and it really will one of the things there are responsibilities on both sides the shop has responsibility to repair the car right the first time to get it to you on time and at the price quoted mm-hmm. at a minimum i find those are their three responsibilities but the customer also has certain responsibilities exactly number one you have to make sure that you are relaying the proper complaint to the shop because if you go in and this happens very 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 often people will come in and they'll say well it feels like yak 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 mm-hmm. well that what, may what? mean 10 different things to 10 different people sure what does feels like this mean you have to go in and you have to tell them specifically what is happening right at this mile an hour at this temperature every other every day, other time every time this happens right after startup after i've been driving for two hours whatever the thing is you have to let them know what it is that you don't want it to do when you pick it up or, or conversely what, what you do want it to do after you pick it up correct because if you don't communicate that properly shops are very technical they're very good at what they do for the most part but they're not mind readers exactly. they can't imagine what it was that you actually wanted and we get this a lot of times where people will come in and they say i want a da 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 whatever it is. alignment and if you just go in you check the car okay the alignment is off you set it. You set it. Get it driving straight. Drive it straight. Wheel centered. You give it back to the customer, and then they come back two days later. Oh man, well it's still shaking at sixty miles an hour. Well, that's, what, what are you talking about shaking at sixty miles? You said you, you wanted said alignment. alignment. So basically, you misdiagnosed the problem. Give the, the shop the wrong information. Wrong information. They did what you told them to do perfectly, mm-hmm. but now you don't have the results you want, so you aggravate it and you're mad and all that. You can't be mad at the shop for that because no. you gave them the wrong information. And they're not going to normally take your car out and drive at 60 miles an hour well, most to shops, see if there is a shape. Most shops can't because yeah. of you know where most shops are located. Well, to drive that speed, located, you have to get out of interstate. Somewhere. Yeah, you got, you'd be gone for two hours by the time in, in, in Baton Rouge. By the time you oh, go out definitely. to the interstate and back, you'd be gone for two hours. Well, you're going to... You want me to pay two hours to go drive just in case maybe there's something else that you're not telling me about? Exactly. So it's your responsibility not to ask for service, even though you may think you know what you're talking about. Give them the symptom. Another one is people come in and say, I want a tune-up. 
Why do you want a tune-up? And that's where, well, a, good, that's where a good shop comes in. Yeah. A good shop is going to stop and think for a second and say, hey, wait a minute. He's asking for a tune-up. What's wrong? Yeah, what's wrong here? Because you're not telling me anything. Right. You're just saying, I want a tune-up. Why do you want a tune-up? Well, I just want one. Oh, no, no, no. Tell me what it's doing. Well, it's idling a little rough. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, a tune-up as today, today what we have, right? is not going to fix a rough idle. Exactly. It's not going to fix cranking more times when you go to start. It's not going to really fix anything at all. In other words, before I do what they call a tune-up, which there really is no such thing as a tune-up, not to anymore. go a little bit deeper, you, you can replace spark plugs, you can replace some filters, you can do some things like that, but there's no such thing as a tune-up per se. When I replace these spark plugs, you are going to notice absolutely no difference. Your fuel mileage is not going to get better. It's not going to idle smoother. It's mm-hmm. not going to run better. So, of course, the first question, why would I do it then? Well, because at so many miles, the plugs wear out. They're not going to give you a symptom. Instead, what's going to happen is that because that gap is requiring more energy to ionize because it's wider than it right. used to be, the computer will automatically increase the duty cycle to the coils. To make them burn longer. To make them burn longer, to make it fire, and run. it'll keep on running just fine. Now, this is the downside. The excess duty cycle will burn up the coils. Mm-hmm. Now, you got four, six, six eight, eight, depending on ten. how many cylinders you got. Right. Of calls on the engine, they cost anywhere from a hundred to maybe three hundred dollars each. So to save some ten dollars spark plugs or twenty dollars spark plugs, you are going to burn up coils. So there you go. Now the check engine light pops on because it's misfiring. You got to go through a diagnosis to see what's wrong. So right. had you replaced the spark plugs in a timely manner, you could have avoided all this. So what you would do, instead of saying, I want a tune-up, you go in and say, well, I've got this many miles. Tell me what things I need for this many miles. Mm-hmm. Now, that's going to require an inspection of the vehicle. He's right. not going to be able to just rattle it off the top of his head necessarily because every car is going to be different. Some of them have had some things done already. Some of them so haven't. Some again, of them are different. get away from the menu board type exactly. system of auto repair because that was never viable. Even back in the 60s, that was never yeah, viable. Wasn't. That was something that shops that did had no diagnostic ability invented just to make it easy. You walk in like at McDonald's and pick off the menu board. I want this, 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 and uh-huh. this. So basically what they're doing is shifting the responsibility for back diagnosis to back to the customer. And then if it doesn't fix it. Hey, this is what you said. <laughs> yeah, but it's not effective. It never has been effective. And it's, even today it's even worse. It's, it's much, much worse now. Because cars are designed to hide symptoms. Until you have a catastrophic failure. Yeah, the Drivers don't like feeling symptoms. They don't like an engine that idles rough. They don't like an engine that takes well, longer to start. And you can remember back in the day when we had carburetors. That's right. Uh, car died four or five times by the time you got out the driveway on right. a cold start in the morning. Right. Well, today's cars don't die. No. They, they idle. They're, they're supposed to do everything with hiding the symptoms from the, the customer mm-hmm. or from the owner. And when you get to that point. You got a problem. You, yeah. You've got a catastrophic failure when you start yeah. seeing symptoms. Because it's going to adapt. It's going to adapt to the situation. If it is 20 degrees outside or 120 degrees outside, it's got thermometers on it that know, yep. that's going to inform the computer, okay, it's this hot outside, the barometric pressure is this much, I've got this much air flowing into the engine, I've got this much fuel pressure to deal with. It is going to adapt because it's got all these sensors, so it well, knows the situation, sure. whereas it, old cars didn't know all that. Right, it's a learning computer. Right. It, it learns. It learns the way you drive. Mm-hmm. Changes the shift patterns, changes all sorts of things by the way you drive the vehicle. Well, and you just hit on a really good point. It is going to learn the way you drive. So 
let's say your fuel mileage is off. Mm-hmm. Well, a lot of people come in and say, well, I need a tune-up. My gas mileage is down. Well, do a tune-up. Well, what a lot of shops are going to do, they're going to screw a set of spark plugs sure. in. They're going to change the air filter. Maybe a fuel filter if it's available. Yeah, maybe run some injector clearance through it, whatever. And, and you're going to get it you. back, and you can have exactly the same problem. And the reason being, it has learned the way you drive. If you get in the car and you accelerate, you put it Real to the hard. floor. Right. Your fuel mileage is going to drop off. Let's it's building power. It's not yeah. looking for economy. Well, you know, I had a guy come in, and he said, in the last six months, my fuel mileage is down about three miles to the gallon, mm-hmm. which is the proper way to let me know what to look for. Okay. So I go in. I start looking at some different parameters. I said, what has happened in this time period? Well, nothing. Everything's still the same. I say, you don't drive any different. Well, I don't really drive the car that much anymore. I, my, I gave it, my teenage son I drives gave it. I gave my teenage son. <laughs> <laughs> but, he, but he says it's burning a lot of gas. Uh-huh. Well, yeah, that's because of the way he's driving. Exactly. Now, you know, what can you do? You can start driving sensibly again, not mm-hmm. putting it to the floor, learn, teach your kid how to drive. You know, you could technically clear out all the parameters and let and it relearn, but there is a reason why it's doing this and it may or may not need a tune-up you know if you got a hundred thousand miles on the plugs are good for a hundred thousand miles. well yeah it needs a tune-up it's just not going to fix this problem exactly it is going to prevent other problems but it's not going to fix that particular problem so you got to be kind of careful about what you ask for now another big 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 problem we see a lot is people will come in and they'll say man it's just shaking so bad i can't stay in the car right well that's a gross exaggeration so when the tech gets that, he's looking for something catastrophic. Sure. He goes down. He doesn't feel a tremendous vibration. He feels a very it's slight like vibration. Jimmy, yeah, at a certain speed. at a certain speed. But he says, "Well, that can't be what he's talking about." He says, "It's shaking so bad you can't stay in the car." Right. So he's burning time with his money, for, looking, looking for this tremendous shake, and that's not, it all not went there. back to the fact that someone exaggerated. You know, they said never lie to your attorney. Your doctor or, or your, your auto repair guy. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> it's not going to help you. Right. You know, it's not like he's going to jump on it faster because he thinks it's a bigger issue. Or it's going to cost you less. Or cost less or cost more, whatever. It's just he has to have accurate information. He has to know what it's doing, when it does it, what things bring it on, what things bring it off. And we're going to talk a whole lot more about that. We're going to take a quick little break. Be right back with a whole lot more. If you ever plan to move west... Mimi, your hair is so cute. Who cuts it? Oh, thanks. I got a guy for you. Here's his card. It just says Fallon. Oh, no. It's Fallon. Well, uh, Fallon doesn't have a number on his card. I know. Appointments with Fallon are referral only. But I must cut a lock of your hair. Deliver it to Fallon. He will put it under his pillow for a week, and your style and cut will come to him in a vision. Seems like old Fallon has quite a gig going. Today, everybody's got a guy. If you're looking for an automotive guy, Think Agco Automotive. No complications, just quality maintenance and repairs you can trust. And with Agco's general inspection, they complete an annual checkup to diagnose problems and schedule maintenance so you can budget for the year and keep your car in tip-top shape. So, how much does Fallon charge for a cut? That will come to him in a vision, too. Get automotive peace of mind. Schedule your general inspection today at Agco Automotive. Agco, it's the place to go. Welcome back. Just join us the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Aldazan, with Mr. Brian Terry. We appreciate you spending Saturday morning with us. In between two of us, we'll try to answer any questions you may have. Talk a little bit today about communicating with a shop, dealing with a shop, working with a shop, 
and trying to get better results at a lower cost. Sure. And, of course, we'll take a call on any topic you may have, never restricted to what we're talking about on any given day. That's a fact. You know, we're talking about trying to get the complaint through to the shop, and that is really not as easy as it sounds. It's not. Sometimes, because people speak one language, and technical people speak a different language. They are looking for something technical, and they see a car as systems. Like last week, we mentioned the crank and, and start, start issue, problem. which to most people would be it's the same thing. Same thing, yeah. Crank or start? What's the difference? It won't go down but the road. To a person, to a technician, he's thinking electrical systems. Crank is battery starter cables. Start is ignition system, fuel pressure. Da 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 da. Uh huh. Totally, totally, totally different things. So you got to be careful in the words you choose. And it's too. It's Two totally different diagnostic procedures. Well, yeah, yeah. You're going to look for different things. You're going to start out with different things. You're going to end up with different things. But the point is, if you just can't describe what it's doing, because some people just have trouble putting mm-hmm. things into words, the next best thing is to say, look, I've got a problem. I really can't describe it. Describe it to the best of your ability so they know what guy to put on the job. Mm-hmm. Because another thing, most shops have specialists that do certain things. So they want to give you to the right guy. In other words, I don't want to put an air conditioning guy with you if you are a drivability problem. Or if you have a front alignment problem, I don't want to put a transmission guy with you. Right. So I got to know what tech to assign to this job. So you got to roughly tell me, well, it's some kind of a running problem. It's not doing. But beyond that, when you get to the shop, have the technician ride with you and go and show them. Like, let's say you've got a noise, because noise complaints are one of those things that... They are. They're kind of a bear to describe in, in most cases, mm-hmm. and the severity of it kind of gets exaggerated sometimes. And you also, a lot of vehicles have multiple well, yeah. noises. Well, and see, if you've had a certain noise in your car since the day you bought it... Just got used to it. It never got any worse. You're used to it. You don't even hear it any longer. Right. But you put somebody in that vehicle that hasn't well, ridden it Well, you say, I've got a noise. Okay, well, he goes and he hears five different noises. So, okay, I'm hearing five. Well, fix them all. Okay, well, fix them all. That means i got to go in and diagnose every Each one, one of these noises and then repair all these noises. It's going to cost you a lot of money. If you're not worried about this noise, I need to know that. Sure. Because when I hook microphones up under this car, I'm going to hear things you never even dreamed of. You know, <laughs> That's so fact. best off is to get in the car with a technician, go and duplicate the situation. Okay, when I cut my wheel this way, you hear that, that humming noise? Now watch, I turn back this way, it goes, it goes away. away. That's what I'm looking for. Okay, yeah. and he may even say, well, how about the squeak in the back? What's squeak in the back? Okay, no problem. Mm, exactly. You know, if you know, the back seat in this car may have been designed in such a way that it always had a squeak in it. Not hurting anything. Doesn't always have to been be fixed. There. You don't even hear it any longer. Okay, well, there's no sense paying him to diagnose that. We had a car come in, and the guy said, I've got a squeak noise. So we go drive it, and I'm hearing a couple of three or four uh-huh. different noises, one of which... The one he's talking about is the hubcap. Someone had had hubcaps off of it, and when they put them back on, the little spring didn't dig into the wheel quite right, and it was exactly. But only when you were driving very, very, very slow. Now, when you went a little faster, you got a which was the upper control arm bushings, and then when you hit a bump, you'd hear which was the lower shock bushings. Now, he wasn't worried about those two. Right. They'd been there for a long time. Been there a long, long time, but he was worried about new the noise. new noise that had changed. So we took the hubcaps off, stretched the springs a little tighter, actually put a little bit of grease around the edge of the wheel where it popped wouldn't it back on. popped it back on. The noise is gone. Okay, he's happy. Mm-hmm. He didn't even hear these other two noises. 
And so there was no sense paying me a whole bunch of money to diagnose, estimate these other two noises. And this car is not his primary driver. It's just an extra car. He doesn't drive it that much. So the lower, excuse me, the upper arm bushes are bad, but you know, they're not making the tires wear. They're not causing, not causing controllability. It's just they're dry rotted and they're creaking. He doesn't drive the car that much. It'll probably go another three years before sure. it creates a problem. So he's just not that worried about that right now. So you have to get specific and riding with the tech is probably the, the best, best way, way to do that. Sure. Because you can actually point out the problem that you're having well and when the tech is riding with you what he's going to do generally he's going to want you to drive he's going to sit there and watch not only the noise you're talking about or the vibration you're talking about or but the symptom you're talking about actually how you are driving the vehicle how you are operating the vehicle he's watching that he may not tell you he is but he is yeah he's watching how you operate the vehicle from the time you start it what are you doing mm-hmm. because He's going to drive it in a certain way. He's a trained professional. He's going to drive it probably in the way it was designed to be operated. You may or may not do that. Right. You had a lady come in one time, and she was she got in the car, and she pumped the pedal about four times, and then she cranked it up and started. And I said, right. why are you pumping the pedal? Well, aren't you supposed to pump pedal when you start the car? Well, yeah, in 1960. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, this has got injection. You do not have mm-hmm. to pump. In fact, when you're pumping the pedal, you're doing absolutely nothing. All, right, all you're doing is opening and closing a, a yeah, valve not, on, well, the, on the table operated one. Well, yeah, on, on a drive my wire. You're working you're on a sensor it. and it's ignoring it. Right. Because it knows it's not supposed to be doing that, so it just ignores it totally. So you're not doing anything. But the tech is going to watch for these kinds of things. Mm-hmm. And it gives him a lot of information the way the car is driven and also then he when he sees the noise you're talking about he sees the situations because to the average person all they hear is the noise the tech is looking okay what is going on right now from a mechanical standpoint and as i hear this noise every time i jounce what moves when the car jounces the upper control arm lower control arm the strut the strut right. mount it only does it when you turn okay what happens when you turn the tie rods, the tie rods are moving, moving the steering the box moving, moving the upper strut mount is moving so it looking at when it occurs in his mind, he has automatically eliminated all kinds of things. Well, he's already started his diagnosis. That's right. He is diagnosing as he's watching you drive, mm-hmm. because seeing the situation under what it occurs and understanding what happens when all these things happen, you had a guy. Well, could it be this? No, it can't be that because it, that's right, not that's- working when you showed me the noise. Mm-hmm. Oh, really? Guy come in a car wouldn't it would crank but it wouldn't start sure and it was yeah, 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 but it would not actually start so well, could it be the battery no it nope. can't be the battery because the over. battery cranks the car right. it does not make it start so you as a technician automatically know a lot of this stuff that you could probably never explain to anybody but by watching the way the client drives the car watching what conditions it occurs sure and you know some noises are maybe just normal given the situation and given the design. I had a guy one time, he says, well, it makes a creak noise when I brake. Well, okay, so I'm thinking brakes and all uh-huh. that. We go drive the car, and he wasn't with me. He was waiting in the office, but drove it, stopped it, stopped it, stopped it, stopped no it. No noise. No noise, no nothing. Didn't hear anything. Brought it back in the shop, pulled the wheels off. All the brakes are good. In fact, right. fairly new. Nothing is discolored or anything. So finally went back. Could you show me the noise you're talking about? Well, he gets in the car, puts the accelerator to the floor, right? Slams the brakes on, and he's getting, uh, you know, which is the whole body's all, flexing. All, yeah, all the suspension is moving on the car because he's stressing it so much, right? And he, he keeps, I'm, I'm, man, is this the way you normally drive? <laughs> well, no, that's just the way I heard. I heard, I heard I mean, the I noise. noise. Yeah. Well, you know, under those situations, yes, yeah, that, that's normal for the car, right? Number one, you're getting the brake rotors red hot. 
you know, so that the pads are, are going to make some noise. You're moving the you're whole suspension. You're yeah. stressing the whole car out. You know, this is not the way you don't drive with two feet. One on the accelerator, one, one, well, one on the floor the whole time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, you know, if I had known that that was the way he was driving the car up front, I could have saved all the time of driving exactly. the car, pulling the wheels off, inspecting all the brakes. So we wasted a whole lot of time, and time is money. Sure. So if you can't describe it, and sometimes you think you can, but you really can't, you got to say, okay, when I accelerate real hard and then slam the brakes on continuously, then it, I get a this noise. I get a noise. So now at least he knows a situation's under which well, to start how to operate for. it to start looking for. Right. Well, you remember the uh, the lady that came in with the the squeak noise in her car? She was, I think, she was like five foot tall, mm-hmm. and she always had the seat underneath the steering wheel. Right. Well, when you get in the vehicle, the first thing the tech's going to do if he's taller, he's got to move that seat because right, he can't fit. In he the car. can't fit in the car. Drove the car, no noise. Every time she got in it, it had a noise in it. Right. Finally, we went and rode with her, and she had the seat up underneath it. She hit the brakes. You hear that noise? Yeah. It turns out it was the seat. Yeah, the seat track itself had, was making well, the, it, the bushings were worn in it. It was always in a certain position, so it wore in that position. Mm-hmm. And so the bushes started making noise on the seat tracks. However, when the tech gets in the car, he and moves it. Most of us are six feet plus. Right. You move the seat back. Okay, well, now it's in an unworn spot. Exactly. So it doesn't make the noise. Exactly. And, and, and there's where riding with the customer right. comes in. Yeah. You know, uh, and there's just no other way because I can't drive the car without moving the seat. I can't physically fit in the car. Exactly. So I have to see how it is that you are operating the car. I've actually seen customers drop off an extra set of keys and mm-hmm. cause a problem. You can because let's say something is wrong in your key. The, mm-hmm. the chip is going bad. The battery is dead. Whatever. You drop off your auxiliary keys. Well, the symptom doesn't occur with those keys. Exactly. So, yeah, I need the car exactly like it is when you drive when you're it. driving it. I remember many, 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 many years ago, we had a gentleman came in, and he said, this car, if you start driving it, will start cutting out, and eventually it'll die. Uh-huh. And this was like a little MG. And we drove it and 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 never, never, never would die. Up. And what happened, he finally comes in one day, and... He has his, in fact, I take it back. He said on a, on a cloudy day or a rainy day, it does this. So we're looking for anything like a broken distributor cap uh-huh. or all that. And what it was, he's driving this little convertible car. He would take, on a cloudy day, he'd take his sunglasses off. Right. He would hang them on the rearview mirror. And there was a wire running down the backside of that rearview mirror, and it had rubbed a little hole through there. So when he put his sunglasses up there, it was short that it's wire, short that and wire. that wire just happened to kill the ignition <laughs> on this particular car. Yeah. So... You know, of course, when he dropped the car, he takes his sunglasses with him. So, you know, and sure enough, got the tracing back, the ignition circuit, and I looked up, and there's a little rock. So, took that little spot, taped it up good, told him, don't hang your sunglasses on the mirror anymore. Problem never occurred again. Right. But, man, it took it took three or four visits to the shop just because sure. we we weren't getting the car in the situation it was in what he was driving. Exactly. It. So, it's just funny how stuff like that can happen. <laughs> hey, we'll take our second quick little break. Be right back with a whole lot more in the Automotive Hour. <laughs> I've been so tense lately. Can you recommend a masseuse? Oh, have I got a massage guy. Johan Thundercloud. He's Swedish Native American who uses classic deep tissue massage with natural healing methods. That sounds interesting. His deep tissue green pineco massage is amazing. Along with the piercing eagle claw technique. Working your muscles with a rhythmic screech. Ah! 
When you hear that, you know it's working. I bet. It seems everybody's got a guy these days. And if you're looking for an automotive guy, check out the team at Agco Automotive. We keep it simple with high-quality maintenance and repairs you can trust. And don't forget about Agco's general inspection, an annual checkup to diagnose problems and schedule maintenance so your car will perform for the long term. One thing, though. Do you bleed easily? What? Johan will want to know. Get automotive peace of mind. Schedule your general inspection today at Agco Automotive. Agco, it's the place to go. Hey, welcome back to the Joint the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Aldezan. If you have a question or a comment on the show, Brian and I will try to answer it for you. Just give us a call, 291-6901. And one of the things, we're talking about communicating a log. In other words, if you've got a problem that occurs every so often, mm-hmm. If you keep a little written log of what is going on at that time, you may see where a certain situation continues to occur. Right. There's this, it's a certain noise that you get, but you only hear it on a certain street when you drive on a certain street. Well, that's pertinent information. Sure. Because it could be the, the way the street's cut. finish of right. that road, maybe making tires make a noise. We could spend an inordinate amount of time looking for that if we can't duplicate it. And it's really a normal noise. And you would be surprised how often that happens. That kind of stuff does happen. If it happens only when your wife drives a car, it happens only on a cold morning. It happens only after you've been driving for two or three hours. Sure. The more, All these things. The more symptoms you can give to the shop, and, and the faster, the they faster go into they're the going to find it. And, and the more effectively they can fix the problem the first time. Let's go to our phone line with Herb. Good morning, Herb. Good morning. Yes, Good sir. Morning. Oh, this is a, not an automotive question in a way, but anyhow, I bought a used tractor the other day, and it's 30 years old, but the diesel, it's diesel engine, and the oil, is it looks like it's been setting up a long time. The oil is real thick in the crankcase, mm-hmm. and I was wondering what I could put in there and run it a little bit sitting there and soften it up and make it flush out. But. Yeah, there's nothing you can put in there to flush it out that's not going to do damage, Herb. What you should do is just go ahead and change the oil with the proper oil, run it a while, drain that out, and re- and then do the same thing again because the oil that goes in there has got detergents in it. It's got dispersants in it. It will do everything to clean that engine up that you're going to need safely. Anything else you put in there is liable to do a, a lot of damage. You got, you got a certain amount of buildup around the rings. You got all this, that, and the other. Because some's good doesn't mean more's better. You, know, you don't want to go in there and start just cleaning everything up. You may end up with every seal on that engine leaking. You may end up burning all. You may end up with a lot more problems. Just change the oil very frequently for two or three changes. Right. And, and that, that is- will safely do whatever. It's, it's kind of like a cooling system when it's corroded. The safest thing you put in there is coolant and distilled water. Because it's going to start to clean it up. It's going to take longer than dumping some kind of chemical in there, but it's much, much, much safer. You don't want to ever add a third, you know, a foreign object to your crankcase. Like and that. just remember that all the contaminants that you're stirring up by changing the oil more often are getting caught in the filter. So yeah. make sure you change the filter as well. Yeah, I would change the, the, the first time around, even though you say, well, look, I've only run this thing for three hours. Change it. Change the filter again because right. it's stirring all this trash up, which is going into the filter. So at least okay. at least the first time, right? I, what I the filter, what the filter can't catch comes out in the drain plug, right? Right, and, and let it drain for a long, long time. What yeah. I would do, run it, get it hot, pull the drain plug out, and let it sit there overnight draining. Sure, just let that all just drip, drip, drip. You get every bit out that you can get out. Fill it up, new filter, crank it up, let it run few hours again same deal lead drain a long 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 time but that's going to be by far your safest way to go i wouldn't i wouldn't put any kind of foreign chemicals in there to clean it up all right all right 
call my from. All right, All right thanks for calling, man. All right, thank Bye-bye. you. Bye-bye. Welcome. All right, 291-6901 is the number you want to call the automotive out. We'd love to have you. You know, we've had a, a rash of bad alternators in the last week or so. Yeah, seen a lot of them. And for the mere fact that alternators usually don't go bad. Not that much. Not that often. Some, you know, some fail. We sell some. But as far as a rash of alternators, we got to thinking, and we seem to have come across a common well, problem. you know, it's like all knowledge, and we've talked about it before, comes from a theory. You look at the situations, you come up with a theory. That doesn't mean it's right. It doesn't mean it's wrong. But then you start to look for other evidence that supports it. Or disproves course, it. Or disproves it. One example to the contrary is going to disprove it. Mm-hmm. But a thousand examples don't prove it. It just says, hey, this seems to apply more often. And one of the things that we have noticed, and I notice a lot of people are doing this these days, you know, with the isolation and all that kind of stuff sure. staying people go to the doctor's office well, they want you to stay out in your car until right they, they, call do, you they don't want you sitting in the office anymore right so people are sitting in their car and it's, it's 90 hot. degrees outside they got the engine running at an idle for maybe an hour sometimes two hours mm-hmm. sitting there idling well a car is not designed to do that it's not and that is actually harmful to the car number one the under hood temperature is extremely high number two the alternator is only turning Four or five hundred RPM, whatever five six hundred RPM, whatever, whatever idle, idle is supposed idle to be is. Number three, your cooling fans are probably running wide open, which is drawing a lot of amperage out of the system. So your alternator is running at its least efficient position. Speed. It's right. in an extremely hot environment. <clears throat> Excuse me, and it's asking for extreme charging. Right, it's it's trying to charge at its max, which it just can't do. And the result is the computer's giving it as much duty cycle as it can give, right. try, trying to meet the situation it's getting. But you end up burning up an alternator many times. Had another lady come in with a misfire, and the plugs would actually fire out uh-huh. just from sitting there sitting idling. There you know, she laid idle for two or three hours, and a car is designed to idle when you come to sure. a red light for or whatever. For so many minutes. Right. But idle is the least efficient way a car operates. Exactly. And when you let it sit and idle for hours on end, it, that is just not good for it at all. And you may end up with all kinds of other problems. I'm not, I will not be surprised. We don't start seeing more oil leaks yeah. and stuff like that. Maybe more failures of coils and stuff because of the conditions under which people are operating their cars nowadays. Now, I'm not faulting people for doing it. I'm no. not going to sit out in that car for three hours. I'm not either. Anything, <laughs> I'm just saying, if you can roll the windows down and tolerate it, that would be a better plan. It'd be better for the car. Yeah. If you can't, maybe you can get the doctor to call you and minutes before, a few where minutes you before can... you, and you can drive around a little bit. Sure. Or run some of your other errands. I don't know. It's something that people need to work out with the doctor. Or wherever you're it's, not being allowed in the office. Yeah, when he tells you, hey, go sit out in the car and wait. Well, Doc, how long is this going to be? I'm waiting. Well, I can't tell you exactly. Okay, well, then could you call me maybe 10 minutes before? I'm going to run around and go do some errands because I don't want my car sitting out here idling for two or three hours. Sure. Another lady was telling me she sits in the car line to pick up her children, and mm-hmm. she wants to get there early so she doesn't have to be in a huge line. But, again, she has to wait until the kids get out of school. So the car's sitting there for almost an hour idling with the air conditioner on and all that. So, yeah, when you're under extreme conditions like that, it's good to apprise the shop so they can advise you. And even though some situations like this, there may not be a remedy the shop can affect. No, but there's, there are certain maintenance uh, issues that need to be addressed if you're going to operate the vehicle in well, that condition. You see, one thing, your all change interval is going to come way down. Sure it is. If you're going to let your car sit there and idle for 
hours on end. That all change interval needs to come down to 3,000 maximum mm-hmm. because that is an extreme operating condition under everybody's definition. Right. If you ever look in the book under maintenance. supreme, uh, excuse me, severe and, ma- and normal maintenance, if you idle for excessive periods of time, that is considered extreme conditions. Or operating temperatures over 90 degrees. Right. You go to the severe service schedule, mm-hmm. which is going to say 3,000-mile all changes. Exactly. You, you can't push those out. Maybe you drive long trips, and that's great, but that's only one of the conditions. You know, if you're sitting there for hours idling, then that five days a week, yeah, yeah, that's going to definitely change your maintenance requirements. Same thing with your transmission; it's sitting there, the torque converter slipping because the motor's turning, running, right? It's churning that fluid up. Your transmission temperature is going to go up. So again, you have to move your transmission service intervals up. The cooling system is operating at, at its, its maximum. Max. It right, is it's doing, doing all it can, do, trying to keep this thing cool. So you may see the cooling fans fail because they're running at way more duty cycling than mm-hmm. they're designed to run at. So you you got to be attuned. If you start seeing your temperature go up a little more than it normally did, you need to get that car in real fast Find or, out what's or go going in and on. diagnose it. Because if one of the fans, you got two fans, or one of your fans goes down, now your car's going to overheat. Next thing you know, you got a blown head gasket. Well, and, and the thing about cooling fans is they're not an on-off anymore no. like they used to be. They, they run a duty cycle at certain speeds. The computer controls all that. It, it can vary the speed between zero and 100 so just because the fan is running doesn't mean it's running efficiently right it can be running at 49 percent and, and it's supposed to be running at 90 percent yeah, commanding 90 percent well the engine's gonna overheat because it's sure. not getting what it what it wants had another guy who called he says every time uh, i go pick my little girl up from school my car starts making a funny noise mm-hmm. what kind of noise it's, it's a loud loud roaring noise okay it sounds like an exhaust leak or something and so we started checking the car and what it was they had several over temperature codes in it and it's sitting there, it's getting so hot that the cooling fan's running wide open. Those are noisy. Right. I mean, when, they're, when they're running wide open, yeah, when they're they running are. wide open, they are noisy. So, yeah, if you're sitting a long period of time, you hear that loud noise. That is a normal noise for the car, and although you could be doing what, what pretty you, much you're aware. What usually gets them, though, is the car is sitting there overheating. The first system it shuts down is the AC. Yeah, my AC goes off. Well, you, they come in, my AC goes off when I'm at certain times. My AC doesn't work. Well, Next time it works again. And that goes back to what we were saying before. If they just say, every once in a while, my AC quits working. Okay, where you when? Go? But if you say, when I'm sitting in line at the Wherever. blah, 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 right. and it idles for a long period of time, my air conditioning cuts off. Well, that, okay, now I know where knows, to start looking. Yeah, the tech knows, yeah. hey, this is where we need to start looking. If you just say, my air conditioning cuts off every once in a while, and see, another thing that people make a mistake with, they'll say, my AC cuts off. Well, does it actually cut off? Does it quit getting or does cold? It getting cold? Or does the fan quit blowing? Exactly. Because again, two like, like crank and start, that is two totally separate systems. Sure. One is a blower motor that blows air out of the car. The other one is a refrigeration system which produces cold. Right. So, so two different if diagnostic the fan procedures. Fan continues to blow at the present speed, but it does not get cold or does not get as cold. That's, That's one what you need things. to tell. Now another thing is, if it does not get cold, does it start blowing heated air? like a heater on or does it just blow ambient air which is again totally different system sure heated air is going to be something under the dash like an actuator that's going bad Mm -hmm. whereas if it just starts blowing ambient air just not getting as cold then we're looking at a system shutdown right so again to the customer it all sounds like same thing well it's not blowing cold cold. right that (laughs) is not a sufficient definition to get the car fixed right the first time at a reasonable price exactly spend a whole lot more time doing that than if you had told me you know, exactly what it is doing. So be sure you are specific in that regard. So 
I say we got to take our third quick little break. We'll be right back. Just a minute. TJ, I've been looking to tone up, man. You have a personal trainer, right? Yes, I've got the guy, Mr. Miyago. <laughs> He's going to teach me how to wax on, wax off. Mr. Miyago's no joke. Oh, sorry. He begins by filling your shorts with wet sand to provide weight resistance and enhance focus. Then launches into a series of drills like crouching tiger, hidden badger, fire monkey, flogging duck, and highly agitated dragon. Sounds kind of extreme. Yeah, bruh. Extreme results. Everybody's got a guy these days. And if you're looking for the right automotive guy, it's Agco Automotive. We make it easy. Quality repairs and a staff you can trust. And with Agco's general inspection, you get an annual checkup to diagnose problems that could cost you down the road. You will need to sign a waiver stating you are not allergic to pig intestines and live geese. I think I'm just going to hit the gym, TJ, but thanks. Get automotive peace of mind. Schedule your general inspection today at Agco Automotive. Agco, it's the place to go. Hey, welcome back to the final segment of the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Aldazan, president of Agco Automotive. Got our general manager, Mr. Brian Terry, right here in the co-pilot seat. And we got Jim on the line. He's been patient holding. Good morning, Jim. Hey, guys. Uh, my horn doesn't work anymore. Okay. What I kind mean, of vehicle? It functions when I press the button. Yeah, what kind of vehicle is it, Jim? 2002 Chevy Silverado. Okay. Okay. You push the button, cylinder. and what does it do? It honks, you know, the panic button. Okay. Uh, but it doesn't work. No, no, when you press but the horn button, what does it do? Oh, nothing. It don't do nothing. Okay. It was intermittent for about two or three months. Uh-huh. Now it don't work at all. Okay. Well, the first thing you got to do is go to the horn right there behind the grill Put a voltmeter across those two terminals and push the button. See what it does. If you got right voltage there, yeah, where's that? The horn. There's a high, lo- a high note horn and a low note horn, and they're both you mean unscrew high. Unscrew the unscrew the parts, the plastic around it. Yeah, you have to take the grill out to get to them. Right, and you, so yeah, a thing around the steerwheel. No, no, no. no we're talking about under outside. the hood, behind the grill. Oh, okay. The horns itself. Yeah. Because those horns yeah. do go out quite a bit. And what happens, one horn will go out, like the high note, and it starts sounding a little funny, but it still blows. Then the other yeah. one will go out, and then you got no horns anymore. So Well, you, when I do the panic button, it honks. So the horns yeah, are no, probably little, still good. Yeah. Okay, I can tell you the leading cause of that, and it's going to sound strange, but the horn button uses the steering column shaft as a ground. Yeah. And what happens is the bearings in the steering column, because the steering shaft has to turn inside the tube, there's a bearing there. The ground yeah. goes through that bearing and then goes out to the steering box and grounds against the frame rail, makes the horn blow. Those bearings, oh. those bearings will, they will, wear out. They will wear out, they'll get, they get dry. Gummed up. And you can't, yeah, they'll get gummed up and you can't get the ground out. So, oh. so you, you might got try to pull up and down on the wheel and right. see if it makes a difference. And and just push, push up, yeah. yeah, push up and down that steering wheel and see if that makes a difference. Now, I tell you another thing okay. we've seen quite a bit is the contact inside the horn cushion. To, yeah. It's actually the airbag because those will too. go bad. And now that's way expensive because you got to replace that whole airbag to get. Oh, uh, I got a pry airbag out? Well, now, I wouldn't start I wouldn't doing do that. that you don't know what you're doing because you can deploy it. I know, I'm kidding. Best thing to do is to get somebody knows to do and let them put a voltmeter and find out where the signal's dropping out because you also got a horn relay, which is possible that the panic button bypasses that relay. So I would check that. I would check, find out where the voltage is dropping out. Now, if the airbag is the problem and you don't want to spend the money for a new airbag because that's probably eight, nine hundred bucks, you can put an auxiliary button or you know, just have them put a separate button that you can push to blow the horn because as long as the horn blows, it's a little inconvenient, but, you know, it's a lot of inspection. Mm-hmm. So just glue it to the dashboard. Yeah, well, yeah. Just find out a, a spot that it doesn't I mean, bother you, yeah. wherever you want to have it. I mean, you just got to put it where you get to yeah. it. But, yeah, we do that a lot. When an airbag goes out, it, 
you can't get inside that cover because it's all in there with airbag, but that's where the contacts are. And that is one fairly common issue. I'm not saying that's what it is because it could be the relay. It could be a wire off. It could be, I mean, it could could be all be kind anything. of things. It could be the steering column, like you're saying. But it's fairly easy to diagnose. I would probably pay somebody to diagnose that, Jim, because it's not going to cost much to do it. You could throw a whole lot of money and parts at it and not hit the problem. You know? And maybe cause other problems maybe if you get on the wrong else. wire. If you get on the wrong wire underneath that column, you could deploy the airbag. Yeah. Holy yeah. mackerel. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, professional, have them diagnose it and then go from there. And I can tell you, if that airbag deploys with you in, in passenger seat, you're probably going to have to have the truck detailed. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. Exactly. It's yeah. going to be a mess. Okay, I'll take it into somebody. Okay, man. There you go. All right. Thank you, All right, guys. All right. Thanks, man. All right, 291-6901 is the number. If you want to be part of the automotive hour, we'd love to have you. Still got a few minutes left. And that's a number of things that can cause that sure. kind of thing. But I know we've seen that airbag go out a lot. The steering column not grounding. Right. But then if you pull up or down on the wheel, you, you actually know, you, bind you, you that can, bearing yeah, up. You, and you, you can achieve a ground. So, so if, if that happens, then you're almost sure it's if probably that in the column. It, yeah. Yeah, that's it. And and two, I've seen the horns go out, but then it wouldn't blow with the panic button. So, exactly. You know, it's just th- these are the ways, like we were talking about before, you arrive at the diagnosis by looking at the situations that affect it. Sure. You know, one final thing I want to touch on, one responsibility of the shop is to give you a complete invoice, a detailed invoice when the repair is complete. Mm-hmm. Had a gentleman that emailed early. He said, I check engine light came on. I took it to the shop. They did some repair. Three or four days later, it came back on, and I went back. They said, well, it's a different code. But they hadn't written the code right. on the invoice. No documentation yeah, on the invoice. That's unacceptable. You should, at very least, have the codes listed on the invoice that they were trying to attempt. So, they said, oh, this is a different code. Okay, what was Who I, knows? I don't remember. Right. Who knows? Yeah. So nobody nobody's so you're knows. you're stuck in the middle. It's kind of like going to the grocery store and getting a bag full of groceries, getting a receipt that says, says bag of groceries. Yeah. Yeah, $85. Okay, well, now, if your bread's not in there, did you pay for the bread? <laughs> exactly. Or not? You just don't know. So what you want is a detailed invoice that says, first off, your complaint. Mm-hmm. What complaint were they trying? That should be listed on the invoice. Right. Then it should have what they found the problem to be, including any codes they found, any evidence they found, any things that they found, and why. And then the repairs completely listed and itemized out. Also should be listed if a part is rebuilt, if it's or new. new, or if it's used. Mm-hmm. That should always be spelled out on there because if the guy just, you know, if you go in and, again, say, I want a water pump, and the guy puts a used water pump on it, well, And it's leaking four days later. Yeah, it's going to be a lot less expensive than the guy put a new water pump. Exactly. And I like to put the part number and denote whether it's an OEM part you know, or if it's a or if it's an aftermarket part, right? Sometimes we are required to use aftermarket parts just because maybe it's an older vehicle and the OEM part is no longer available. I generally will note that on the invoice so mm-hmm. the customer knows. Also, somewhere on there should be any limitations to the warranty. For instance, we will have people come in occasionally and they'll say, "I've got a misfire." You raise the hood and you see the spark plug wire off, or you see the car arcing to the side. Uh huh. Well, now. There could be more than one problem here, but this is an obvious problem. This is the problem. This right is now. what I see right now. Right. So I am going to repair this problem rather than eat up a bunch of diagnostic time. To but just on to turn the invoice, and come back. I'm going to say we did not do any diagnosis. We saw this as an obvious problem. We repaired this. If problems persist, let me know. Mm-hmm. Because you may have a dead miss from a spark plug wire off, and then you may also have a misfire that occurs occasionally. Right. So. It needs to have any limits to the warranty 
expressed on there so everybody knows where they understand. Where everybody stands. And you should read that, and if you don't agree with it, Down's the time. You're standing right there. Say something. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Don't don't wait two weeks later and then go back and say, well, because that is an exclusion to your warranty. Just about out of time. Get ready to get on out of here. And like thank all our podcasters for listening this week and every week. Go to your favorite broadcast or rebroadcast service, whichever that might be. Mm -hmm. Find the written review and please fill it out for us. Hey, it fills out those reviews. It's going to move us up in the ranking. So when somebody types in a generic term like auto repair, we come up to the top. Yeah, it's going to pull up one of the top ones in there. And, you know, like Google, when you do a search, the top ones are the ones most people are going to click sure. on. So by being close to it, more people are going to listen. More people listen, higher our ratings. So. Better longer we can do the show. Well, the station doesn't throw us off the air. <laughs> <laughs> hey, preceding was opinion based on our experience in the automotive industry. Have a great weekend.